Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's a man who's at the end of his rope. We feel so bad for Moses. I mean, what he's saying here, he's saying, This people, this Jewish people, you have afflicted me with this Jewish people. Better I should be afflicted by the Egyptian taskmasters. It would have been better for me than to be afflicted with these people, with the Jewish people. That's what he's saying. Why did you do this to me, God? Do you not like me? Have I not found favor in thy sight that thou layest all the burden of all this people upon me? Moses felt this crushing burden was such a terrible burden on him from the people. And then he says, what am I? Am I their father? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to all these people so that you should say to me, in other words, am I their mother? Am I their father? So why do you say to me, God, that I'm supposed to carry them in my bosom? Why do you say to me, God, that like a nursing father, I'm supposed to bear the sucking child into the land? which you swear unto their fathers. And this was the whole issue when they were saying, we don't want manna, we want flesh. Give us flesh, 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 meat, meat, meat. And they were just incessant. And so Moses says, whence should I have flesh to give to all this people? And then it says, for they weep unto me. Oh, the crying of them, the whining of them, the incessant We want, give us meat, give us meat. We're dying without meat. We hate this manna. Give us meat, give us meat. And Moses was a sensitive man. And Moses cared. If he didn't care, it wouldn't bother him. Moses, and so this just tore Moses' heart apart because he said, they were weeping unto me and saying, give us flesh that we may eat. We're dying, Moses, we're dying. Give us, give us, give us. And this was really getting to Moses And so he turns to God and he says, I can't do it. I'm ready to throw the towel in. I'm not able to bear all this people alone. This is too much, Lord. It's over the top. It's too heavy. I didn't realize I was signing up for this. I can't do it. And therefore he said, kill me. Just kill me. It'll be simpler. It'll be better. It'll be over. And that's where Moses was at. And it would not only be Moses that the Jewish people would make angry to the point of giving up, they would do that to God. God would say, God would come to a point where he would say, I'm ready to give up. God would come to a point where he would say, I am so angry, so hot against them that I'm gonna destroy them, and God would be so angry and so ready to destroy them that Moses, (laughs) they had to switch roles, that Moses would step in and calm God down 
in Exodus 32, 31 through 32, where it says, and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee out of thy book, which thou hast written. So the Jewish people, boy, the Jewish people, they really know how to do it. The Jewish people would be so hard on God and so hard on Moses that God and Moses would have to work together. And whenever the Jewish people would be so hard on Moses that it would drive him to want to die, that God would talk to Moses and he would talk him out of it and he would calm Moses down. And whenever the Jewish people would make God so angry that he would want to destroy them, then Moses would talk to God. He would talk God out of it and calm God down. I mean, they, the Jewish people, they had their way. They had their way of driving Moses to the point of wanting to die and of driving God to the point of wanting to destroy them. They had their way. As my wife says, <laughs> the Jewish people have a way of driving a person crazy. <laughs> she speaks from her own experience. Well, the Jewish people, they're just like everybody else. Like I would tell her, said, the Jewish people are just like everyone else, only more so. <laughs> and um, when you see this, when you really see this, you will not see a greater display of the grace of God than we do in how God dealt with the Jewish people. You won't. You won't see a greater display of the grace of God than you will when you see it, God dealing with the Jewish people. You won't see a greater display of the mercy of God than we do in how God dealt with the Jewish people. You know, a lot of people, they like to read the Bible and they say, oh, the Jewish people, you know, get a romantic feeling. It's, oh, it's the people of God and they... Kind of, I don't know why they don't see these things or something like that. I said, well, I don't know. Those must have been those people. But, oh, they're so wonderful. They're so, the holy people, <laughs> the holy people, the people of God, they look at it like that, and they don't really see it for what it is. But my recommendation is go to them. <laughs> Bring the gospel to them. Then you really see that what we are talking about here of the Jewish people in Exodus is the Jewish people of today and you'll see the great grace of God, the great mercy of God, to call them my people. They're my people. See, he has some things to say about my people, but they're still his people. I mean, we feel sorry for God, and we would like to say to him, Lord, we feel very, very badly for, for the position that you're in, but nevertheless, they are his people, and you can't get away from that, the fact that this is the people of God. He says um, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter one, the, whole, the book of Isaiah starts off, and he says, God speaking, he said, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. Oh, everybody's got to listen. Heaven, earth, everybody stand up attention. This is God speaking. He says, listen up. And what's the message, God? We're all sitting here waiting. What's the message? The message is, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Oh, everybody's listening. God says, I've done everything to the Jewish people. I nourished them. I brought them up, and they rebelled against me. God's saying, I got bad kids. And he says, the ox knoweth his owner, the ass is master's crib, 
but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. It's not that they don't just know, they won't even consider. They don't know that the Lord Jesus Christ is their God. They won't consider anything, not him. He says in verse four of Isaiah one, ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, not just corrupted, but corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Then he says, and it says many things here, but one of the things he says is that, except in verse nine, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, we should have been like unto uh, Sodom, we should have been like unto Gomorrah. See, what he's saying here is he's saying, in spite of all this, I'm leaving in within you a very small remnant. Underline very, very small remnant. Why? It's a preserving remnant. That remnant is keeping you from being destroyed. That's the remnant. Remember with Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, well, if you find 50, if you find 45, you find 40, you won't destroy the city, right, God? He says, no, I won't. If I find that many in there, you kept on going down. That's the principle. God says here, I left for you the 50, the 45, the 40, whatever number it is, very small, <laughs> the minimum, whatever. It's very small remnant. I left it in Israel so I wouldn't destroy Israel like I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the first thing he says. And the second thing he says, he says, wash you, in verse 16. Make you clean. Put away the evil from your doings from before your eyes. So he continues, even though they provoked him to anger, he leaves the remnant so they're not destroyed. He encourages them to repent, to turn around, to wash, become clean. And then he says to them, and I'll make an offer, I'll make a deal, he says in verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you should be devoured with the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. He's saying, he says, all your sin and come. Just as I am without one plea. See, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. He's saying, come, come now, let's reason together. That's God. So this is an amazing display of the mercy of God. It's an amazing display of the grace of God and how God says, they're my people. They may be rebellious, but they're my people. They may have provoked me to anger, but they're my people. And I'll preserve the nation with the remnant. I'll continue to all day long stretch forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people, all day long, without ceasing. And finally, when he comes, he'll look at Jerusalem, and he'll say, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered ye as a hen doth her chickens? What does a hen gather chickens for? For protection, for safety. He says, but the tragic words are, but you would not. Now, what's very important here, to see the Jewish people for how they are, and to recognize that when God told Moses that he gave him a token, there was a reason why he needed that token, because he was going to be tried severely by the Jewish people. 
But when you see the Jewish people for how they are, and you see the grace of God, you see the mercy of God, then Paul's statement about the Jewish people is so amazing in Romans 11, 1 and 2. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid! I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. See, God is here with Moses. He foreknew what Moses was going to go through. He gave him the token. You know he's going to need it. So you should look at it. You should remember it, rather, in his mind. He should say to himself, oh, yeah, it means God sent me. It means so much to me. It's my strength. He foreknew. See, Paul says here, he says, God didn't, he hasn't cast them away. He has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. He knew everything, the terrible thing that they were going to do. He knew. And he still didn't cast them away. And when we see that, oh, when we see that, when we see all that the Jewish people did against God, and that God still did not cast away the Jewish people, then we see how enormous Oh, how wonderful, oh, how marvelous is God's love. You see, this is how enormous it is. The grace of God, the mercy of God, they're so enormous when you see it in the light of the Jewish people. Man cannot understand this. Man cannot understand how God can show so much grace, so much mercy to the Jewish people with all they've done against God. Man knows that he does not have that much grace and mercy in him. So he concludes that God does not have that much grace and mercy in him to the Jewish people. Why does man do that? Because man does not know how great God's grace and mercy is to the Jewish people. So therefore, man comes up with replacement theology. Replacement theology. What is replacement theology? Replacement theology is a denial of Romans 11.1. 1. Replacement theology says the opposite of Romans 11.1 1, of what it says. Replacement theology says God has cast away his people. God has cast away the Jewish people and replaced them. That's replacement theology. Replacement theology is a denial of the grace and the mercy of God which he has promised and which he has shown to the Jewish people. That's what it is. The Jewish people, oh, they had a way to be hard on Moses. They had a way to be a hard on not just Moses. They had, a very, they had a way to be hard on Elijah at Mount Carmel. And he actually, I mean, Elijah was provoked. That's one provoked prophet, Elijah at Mount Carmel. He was so provoked, Elijah was, that he did something that Moses never did. Moses asked to die, but Moses never interceded against the Jewish people. When the Jewish people pushed Moses to the breaking point, to the wall, Moses asked God to let him die, but not Elijah. When he got so exasperated with the Jewish people, he actually interceded against them as it says in Romans, in uh, referring to 1 Kings, 1 Kings 19.10. And he said, I have been very jealous, this is Elijah, 
And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He interceded against them. That's what the Bible says he was doing in Romans. He was interceding. He was saying, look at them. They've forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They, slow, they killed the prophets, and I'm just left alone, and now what do they want to do? Kill me. Why did Elijah do that? Because they provoked him. What was so hard on Elijah, the Jewish people? So God and Moses had a hard time being in business together to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt and into Canaan. And God and Moses worked very hard to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt and into Canaan. And whenever the Jewish people would drive Moses to the point of wanting to die, God would talk Moses out of it and calm him down. And whenever the Jewish people would drive God to the point of wanting to destroy them, Moses would talk God out of it and calm God down. And there actually came a time, a tragic time, when the Jewish people drove Moses to the point where he terribly sinned against God. It was, first of all, we have to remember, Moses as a person was described as the most meek man on the face of the earth. It says that in Numbers 23. 12.3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. So here we have a man who's the meekest man on the face of the earth. He's meek. Meek men don't demand their rights. Meek men usually don't get angry and so forth. But there came a time when the Jewish people pushed this man, pushed this meekest man on the earth, drove Moses, the meekest man on the earth, to the point where he lost his temper so badly that he ended up sinning greatly against God. And that's recorded for us in Numbers 20, 10 through 11. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their beasts also. Moses, Moses, Moses. So sad to read this because Moses has never been so angry with the Jewish people that he called them names of rebels. Never called them that before. And at that time, he lost his temper so bad that he forgot about honoring God and he dishonored God. And it was tragic. And God told Moses, Moses, when we get to this issue of the rock. You're going to come to the rock the first time. The rock symbolizes the Lord Jesus Christ. The first time you come to the rock, Moses, strike the rock. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ was struck. What does it say in Isaiah 53? We did esteem him. Stricken, struck, smitten of God, and afflicted. Right? And say Isaiah 53. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. So, Moses, strike the rock. That is symbolic of the crucifixion of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the rock, who would think water would come out of a rock? But out of the rock, gushing water, huge spring fountain coming up enough to create a river out there in the desert and to water all the people. Water of life. Strike the rock, first time. Who would think 
that a man crucified on a cross, that out of him would come the water of life, the water of salvation, eternal life should come out of the crucified Christ. Who would think? But God said, you only do it once, that's all. And it's very important, Moses, never strike the rock again. Because Moses, you have to understand, the Lord Jesus Christ, he dies once. Sacrifices many times, but him once. Sacrifice once for all. All sacrifices finished when he was sacrificed. He was crucified once, he's never crucified again. Never strike the rock again after that time. So he says to him, when you come to the rock the second time, which is where we are, he says to Moses, speak, just speak, Moses, just speak to the rock. Just speak to the rock and the water will come out. Why? Because the second time, the crucified Christ, what is it all about? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So speak, and the blessings come out. As we, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, call, speak, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, water of life. If you would ask, if she told the woman at the well, you ask of him, you ask of me, and I'll give you water of life. So speak. Well, Moses didn't obey God, and Moses struck the rock the second time. And when Moses did that, it was so serious that it cost Moses the fulfillment of his life work. He could not go into the land. He could not finally do what his whole life he'd lived for, bring the Jewish people into the land. Tragic words, hard to read. Numbers 20, 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye have believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This was so severe, so severe, a punishment for Moses that it just broke Moses' heart. Three times Moses asked God to reconsider. Three times God says to Moses, no. Three times Moses says, let me bring the people into the promised land. Finally, God tells Moses, don't bring it up again. Don't bring up the subject again. It's finished. He says in Deuteronomy 3.26, the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes, talking to the Jewish people, and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. You know, God said to Moses, sorry, pal, you can't go and don't talk to me anymore about it. It's a non-negotiable, it's finished. It was terrible. Why? Why did that all happen? Why did Moses lose his temper? Prevented he and Aaron from entering into the land? The Jewish people, the Jewish people. We'll continue this in our next study, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all our sin. How shall our tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? We thank you, Lord, as we consider those words in context of the Jewish people, the wonderful grace of Jesus to the Jewish people. How shall our tongue describe it? Where shall our praise begin? Taking away their burden, setting their spirit free, the wonderful grace of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your great grace. We thank you you did not cast away the Jewish people. You did not cast us away. We thank you. Lord, they were not worthy, we are not worthy. But Lord, your grace, your grace is what saved us. Saved by grace, 
Grace is what saves each Jewish person who calls on the name of the Lord. It's your grace. We thank you for that. Thank you for showing that to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.